Can you hear me? Do you know where you are? You're in a dream. Would you like to wake up from this dream? Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Welcome to the Coffee Clutch Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomagino. And today we bring ourselves back online for episode 404, Generation Loss, where we find out Hale is the boss. Written by Kevin Lau and Suzanne Rubel and directed by Paul Cameron, IMDb is at an 8.3 and Rotten Tomatoes still at an 80%, although the audience score is down to a 67%. Oh, wow. Yes. And I have to say we are also down to 0.3 million viewers per episode. So I think it was closer to a million last season. We started off at 0.35 and we're going down. You know what? I'm curious to see like the first couple of weeks when we're covering House of the Dragon. I bet it's going to be high. But I'm curious to see, because we know that people don't do appointment television anymore. We have Clatchers that are writing to us about episode one right now, because they're just getting around to watching it. Yes, I know that's true, but I also know there has been, season three, there was a big fall off with this show. And we ourselves mentioned that episodes one and two of this season were a little bit slow. So there was a little bit of a pickup for episode two, and then it fell off for last episode. And I'm wondering if people didn't stick around long enough. Like, oh, I'll check it out. Nope, there's nothing really much going on here. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. I really liked last episode. I was definitely a bit frustrated with this episode. It felt like they were returning to their old Westworld tricks a bit. I mean, we knew there was going to be some playing with the timeline. Certain areas I expected it. I do like that they unfolded the story somewhat in a linear fashion. Yeah. And then jumped forward so that at least we weren't going back and forth a lot. But I'm also just a little bit not jazzed by having complete evil bad guy Haloris, who's in charge of the whole world and it's nothing <laughs> but bad. And basically, I just do want to control all of humankind. It's not very nuanced to me. We also lose our only human character in this episode, which I was really struggling to maintain connection. We had one left. Of course, there was a semi-loss of Maeve, which it looks like we're already going to bring her back. I'm happy they got to that by the end of the episode, but uh, it wasn't my favorite. Let's put it that way. I get you. I understand that. I'm not perturbed by the time jump because we knew it. You and I have been talking about the fact that Bernard is years and years ahead of time. The surprise is that once we were in that room with Hale and Caleb, now we're looking at the loop. Right, because we actually were still seeing them in the past this whole time. That was a different storyline, but they brought us up to, they just essentially skipped the 23 years, the generation we lost. Mm -hmm. Which I don't mind. What's great is I found it intriguing because it doesn't give us time to get bored with the whole Caleb thing. Next episode, you just saw him get attacked by flies. This is where he's at now. I'm still holding out hope. Now, I do this often. It's the Jason, I'm just going to wish it to death and hopefully it comes true. There was a little hint there with this loop that he's going through. We see that Hale still has that look on her face when she says, how are you able to override my command? Mm -hmm. He's still able to do that. And she still can't figure out why. And I'm hoping, you just said we we already lost our only human. I'm hoping there's still something in there that he's able to hold on to. And when Maeve gets involved and when he meets his older daughter, he's able to turn around and be like, hell no, and shoot her. But a lot cooler than what I just said. (laughs) Well, I would agree with that because we see that what the resistance group is doing out in the desert 
is essentially rounding up the remaining human outliers. Those who, in last season we saw, were not able to really be controlled by Rehoboam. They were shut down, put in some sort of stasis. That's the group that's forming out there. Now, it's not a lot of people, but there's still some hope left for humanity, and that's the whole reason Bernard came to their aid in the first place. There's not many of you left. There's not much time left, but there is still something I can do. I, I don't think he'd be going through all this if all hope was lost. No, it's very reminiscent of Marvel with Doctor Strange. I mean, maybe he could have not taken that many years in the sublime. We're, our numbers are really dwindling here, but I guess he really had to go through every beetle yeah, in re- the desert. <laughs> remember, millennial, millennia go by. Like, there are there a few variations of the pastrami melt that we maybe could have skipped, but I'm just saying... I'm actually okay with all of that as well. Why are they still keeping the Christina thing a mystery? Because well, this is sort of what I'm talking about. Yeah, and we have Clatchers who wrote into us asking about that. Um, that's something I, at this point now, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, well, maybe that's Maeve trying to get Christina or Dolores. But, and then I'm thinking, well, it can't be a human. And Josh was talking to us too. He's saying that there's no way Dolores is a human. No, I never thought that. So what is it then? Is she a robot helping to write storylines for the humans, quote unquote, new hosts for Hale's evil plan? Or is she, like we've been saying, an assimilation? But then why? No, I think those are both one and the same thing. Whether she is being kept in this city under high control or within the simulation world, I think her physical location doesn't really matter. Hale is still using her, the way I was saying up top, in order to write these stories, write this narrative, to keep everybody under control. And that's being pushed out by the tower. I kind of thought she was in the system there just because I thought she was living her essence, her brain power within the tower where they were sending out the signal. But I suppose there's a way they're relaying that power, that narrative to it, that she could actually be out there walking around the city. But, you know, still weird things are happening. Some of them you could explain by Hale being in control of everybody, everybody freeze. Right. But other things still, like when Teddy was fighting Peter and they just disappeared, Mm -hmm. I don't think Hale has the power to do. So I think you are, when you're seeing her, still within some kind of system. And Hale herself is in that Olympiad building right now. So, you know, I think all of that exists. There's just a parallel digital world. Yes, the real question, I think, comes down to exactly what you're saying. Whose side is trying to get her out? It would seem that it's Hale controlling her. If you're actually looking at a host body that was rebuilt, Dolores rebuilt herself into this Holoris with that same process. Why couldn't Hale do it again? Yeah, of course. It's exactly what this is saying. Generation loss. A copy of a copy of a copy. Maybe Christina is the third generation copy. Hmm. So, but either way, I don't think that part really matters. I don't see why anybody else would be trying to break her out except Bernard's side. And we do see the other part of what I was speculating there is true. He's trying to get to Maeve. He knows that's an asset for their side. Well, the two pieces were always Maeve and Dolores. So he was just in the sublime. Presumably he could have gotten Teddy's blueprint out of there to help. Yeah, I think there's going to be a slight time thing that you're missing. I don't mm-hmm. think they are 100% lining up. They're very close to each other. Yeah. But I think the Caleb Hale, Dolores storyline is just slightly shifted from Bernard because it's going to give us enough time later that gap for Bernard to save the day, the pieces that we missed. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get the answers to Christina until the end of the season. Right. That's why they're slow playing it. Oh, yeah. Super slow. I mean, like, 
you know, do we have to see this whole date with Teddy? It's great. Well, I did. I love Marsden back. I love him saying, I'm just trying to be chivalrous. He's like, it's a little harder with a drop lipstick than a can, but work with me here. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, very curious to know what Teddy this is, why he's there, and who sent him. Question, and this is very premature. We know Bernard's going to die. He said all, all possible ways he dies in the end. Where humans live. Does he die this Hopefully season? That, that or? means humans live because... Yeah. Does he die this season or next? If we're going to a fifth, I think he goes into the next one. Me too. I hope. He has to. It's like been a main anchor to shepherd us. And I said this with Maeve even before this season. How many times could she keep dying and coming back or retreading the same storylines? They found ways to keep running it around, Mm -hmm. but they were almost making fun of themselves this season with the fact that they're doing that. I don't think they could keep it up much longer. I do think if they pair her up as a team with Dolores and Bernard at the head and them all working together, that refreshes everybody's storyline a bit. Yeah. So I think that could give it some more legs. But yeah, I think we're running out of time there. Stopping it down for a minute, we discussed the possible title meanings of generation loss. We actually missed out seeing an entire generation here as we've jumped forward 23 years, it turns out. And anybody who was an adult at the time was seemingly useless to Hale's project as their brains were too rigid. Mm -hmm. I think not compliant is also part of the word she's looking for there. Why do you think the military want only the young? Not just because they're physically better or more capable. It's also because their mind can melt. Yeah, but good for Caleb because he was also in the military. There is something too, and we have to figure it out. We wondered it last season. What's going on with these outliers? Is something actually different about their brains? Is it just that they're more resistant to the brainwashing that's taking place? I mean, this is a whole other kind of process now Mm. with a parasite, and yet he's still able to resist it. So there's got to be something going on there. And they did bring back the concept of the limbic system, which I was surprised Maeve used for the first time we see in that flashback to the lighthouse. Yes. I'm excited to talk about that. But anyhow, that's a generation lost, lost for us as humans, not seen on screen. But we also discussed the technical meaning of it last time, the loss of quality between subsequent copies. You made the apt comparison to multiplicity Mm -hmm. that you start off with a close enough replica and then you wind up with pizza in your wallet by the fourth time. So I don't think that's an accident. I think it is going to come into play, whether that's copies of hosts that need to keep being reproduced or reproduced by Hale because she can't get them because they're in the sublime or because it's Dolores who's gone for whatever reason if you had to keep creating it. Mm. It's it's not actually multiple copies. It's kind of like reconstructing it without having the original data. It's like a game of telephone. Right. When you start using your memories and relaying things, something is going to be lost or changed in every iteration. And then the development comes into play because Dolores started out as we think essentially the exact same Dolores and is in nowhere near that same spot. Now, we know from her Wyatt narrative, she always had a penchant to go in that direction, but it's like you took a certain set of qualities and amplified them and sort of dumped everything else. Well, for music notes, we got no actual song titles, but we got quite a few Juwadi versions. Oh, yeah. I mean, I watched it again with my Sony headphones, and you can really hear and feel the bass in all of his sound effects. It's amazing. And there's things you don't hear with your air conditioner on, just watching it on TV. Left ear is doing like... 
He plays with that a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's really these intricate sounds. So I would suggest if you watch this again, watch it on your computer with nice headphones. Well, also there was one cover, a Jawadi cover in there of a song called Pink and White by Frank Ocean. But he mentioned how it was only played for a brief period of time during Christina's date at the restaurant. Then, you know, the old Sweetwater theme, we had a jazz riff on it when Mm -hmm. Maeve and Caleb are escaping the park. Nice. And then throughout a couple of episodes now, he has been ending with what he calls the control theme. So season one, we had a lot of the Sweetwater theme. There's always one that runs through the whole season. This one is called Control, and it played again at the end of the episode. I like that. It makes sense because this season's all about controlling the humans. The She likes to call them hosts. By the way, I love that. Mm-hmm. Also, subconsciously, you learn from designing elements and also sound design. Repeating certain things throughout a season or throughout a book or throughout designs on a website, subconsciously, your mind loves that. And mm-hmm. it, gets comf- it gets comfort by it. The same kind of comfort you get when you like to fall asleep to friends every night. Just because you know what's going to happen. And I don't fall asleep to friends every night. So you must be talking about yourself. I am. <laughs> well, there were no new faces and places this time. So I think we could just jump right into our plot. We're going to split it into three segments and start off with the Christina storyline. The most disconnected from the others. We open with Maya telling Christina about her nightmares. She goes in detail this time of the flies that interrupted a family picnic when she was younger and swarmed first her parents and then herself. Christina is horrified at this. She hasn't had this nightmare. And I think that's kind of telling when you're trying to look at perhaps is she an actual human, a fly-controlled human Mm. at this point versus Dolores who is a host or a code or something else going on there because Mm. she has no idea. And if she had been... Out in the world, even as a host during this time frame, you think she would be aware of that concept, right? It's happened to everyone. Now, Maya, it might have been, yes, a nightmare, but a memory of when she was a kid. Oh, she said it was. Oh, okay. But it it could be a false one, the way the hosts in the park were being implanted memories. Gotcha. During their dreams. Yep. So that's a possibility as well. But it's something to track because we've been wondering, is she there as a hail plant to control and keep Christina in line. Right. But this time it doesn't really seem so because she sets her up on another date with who turns out to be Teddy. Unless she has absolutely no idea who mm-hmm. he is, why yeah. would she do that? I don't know. Maybe Teddy found a way to finagle himself. Sweet talker. Yeah. Yeah, she might not know, I guess, their past. I mean, why would she? Why is she so obsessed, though? was setting Christina up on dates because this is the second time she said, you know what, I'm having a really tough time. I just need a night off where we can go blow off some steam. But they don't go as friends to hang out and drink. They go to a bar for two seconds and she set her up on another date. Just like last time. If you were Christina, wouldn't you be like, I thought you wanted to hang though. Why do you keep, are you like a (laughs) match.com? Yeah, that's a good question. I have another question you just reminded me and we'll never get this answer to the question I'm about to bring up. Because our good guys are going to win before this happens. But hopefully. Generation-wise, if two humans who got the flies and are controlled and they have a kid, is the kid automatically controlled? Does it automatically have whatever... Parasite? Parasite that was Is it passed down? Right. Now, if it is passed down, after a few generations, you know how humans adapt. Develop resistance. Exactly. 
maybe it becomes part of our DNA and they can no longer control us. Mm. Or if they do control the parents, they just shut them off for a night, send a swarm in and take the kid over. Yeah, and have to change it a little bit to something we're not used to. Or evolve the tones. Mm-hmm. If, is it the parasite on one end or the tones on the other? They'd be like, Mom, your tones are so old school. <laughs> you should hear our new tones. Well, what's interesting there, too, and this is why, you know, I'm thinking that Maya is a controlled human, a real one. But we find out that Christina hasn't been sleeping either. She's been up late painting, and when she reveals it, it has a huge image of the tower drawn Mm. on top that looks like the drawing she found at the clinic. She asks the old Westworld question that we use to try to wake people up in season one. Does it look like anything to you? And Maya doesn't think so. This is a huge tower looming in the middle of the city that dominates everyday life our city so right yeah are they not there or is it a situation where they just don't see it because in westworld that would happen if they didn't want them to doesn't look like anything to me oh it was almost just like it didn't register to them it's off island so it's kind of like in where if we're in manhattan yeah but it's right i know it's right there and it's huge (laughs) the statue of liberty yeah but if her loop doesn't go uptown and let's say the island's uptown. She never sees it. I but I like I like what you're saying better. It's just hidden. Yeah. Either they they're in some sort of controlled simulation or none of them see it. Mm. And whenever they look at it, it's like mm, 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 and they're like basically it's saying, You don't look see like me. anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here. Anyhow, they go out to this bar and Christina is introduced to Teddy. She's pleasantly surprised at first. She clearly finds him attractive as ever, but a little wary. Who doesn't? <laughs> when he already knows about her work dedication, it's very clear right off the bat. This is some version of the Teddy we know. He's familiar with her. Oh, yeah. He's trying to stir up that feeling. He's almost a little too comfortable with her. And it's, it's in one sense, a little off-putting to her. She's sort of like, how do you know all this? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no, no, I, t- I talked to your roommate. Cool. She told me about your job. Okay. Well, that's what makes me think he was a big part in setting this up. Because we saw that he's been watching her. So this isn't by mistake. Did you like the dropping of the lipstick? Well, that's what I mean about... Come on. You got to embrace those. I see why in universe they need to do it because it's the repetitiveness, hopefully, that will wake her up. Just Mm. like happens every time to everyone. And he is giving her more of those cues to try to bring her out of it. It's just like, I don't know. It's a lot for me. But I do enjoy that he pushes right past that and gets to her on an emotional level of understanding her, getting her the way he always did and nobody else did. When he talks about her work, he explains that he used to live like that. Every day you wake up, you do your job, you go home. Rinse and repeat. Like a like a train circling the smallest track. What kind of work were you in? If I told you, you wouldn't believe me. (laughs) Try me. Um, I was something of a bounty hunter with a heart of gold. You're right, I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing about this world. Some of the most unbelievable things turn out to be true. And the things that feel the most real are nothing but stories that we tell ourselves. 
we met before. There's just something about you that's very familiar. Now, who's the one using the cheesy pickup lines? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no. You, you want to hit on me? I'm okay with that. I, mean, I figure it's your turn. After all, it is your turn now. Uh-huh. Is that a little wink-wink to the past? Yeah, and I think he's trying to give nudges to her subconscious. Mm. I know you don't remember right now, but we've done this before. He toasts to her and her path wherever it leads. Another concern I have, if this is Teddy that's been resurrected from the sublime, I could see where the one way you would get him to come out is if they say, Dolores really needs you, and so does the future of the world. I mean, Teddy was always a good person, good host, (laughs) whatever. But I think the reason that he could be so drawn to her in this version is it is like the home on the farm sweeter version of Dolores, the Mm -hmm. one that he kind of fell in love with, not the Wyatt version that he started railing against later. Oh, I don't really believe this. It just came into my mind because I was thinking about last episode where Bernard was being told that everyone's sublime is their own. This could technically be... Teddy's sublime, sublime. but that would mean nothing. The version that he loves, but that would mean nothing to our storyline. So it's not. I don't think so. And you wouldn't have all this other menacing stuff in Teddy's version of heaven, (laughs) you know? Yeah. In fact, could be that he was living with the perfect version there, making Mm. him all the more of a hero if he agreed to come out and do this. Crazy. It's just the fact that when she eventually does come back to herself, there's going to be more than just this part. And I guess I'm wondering, is there ever a world where they could be together Mm. when they're themselves? Okay, let's move it along to our next character, who I was sorry we didn't see more of this time, but that's Bernard. Out in the desert, Jay thinks that C has lost objectivity. He won't risk all of his men to follow her myth with Bernard. He's not sold on this thing. And he thinks they have a more important task, to extract the new outlier they found. Luckily, C's partner steps up to volunteer. We still don't have a name for her or anybody here, really. Trying to be cute. I don't like it. What are you, the men in black? This, well, this is what I mean. Do we have, like, we get it. It's Frankie. Yeah. You don't have to keep doing this. At the end of the episode, you say, your dad, Caleb. So Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to wait for the reveal, but we're, we're too smart. But that's what I mean about Westworld. It's like, come on, guys. Um, allowing C to go on the mission with Bernard. However, Jay is keeping Stubbs as collateral. Poor Stubbs, man. He just spent 23 years waiting for Bernard (laughs) to get out of the sublime. Well, at least I'll be safe. I didn't mean for you. He's like, oh, geez, I can't even get the right sandwich. Now I'm being offered as collateral. This is terrible. Taking them to a spot in the middle of the desert, C notices a drone coming, and they all begin to take cover under these tan tarps that hide their presence from the camera tracing their signature. Pretty cool. I guess it's not going off of a heat signature, or maybe it's so hot in the desert in the desert that it can't distinguish, because it looks like all that's covering is visual. But it could be, I guess, that's all the drone has. You would think with this sophisticated technology, it would be more than that. Yeah, I mean, I can get a drone that does it now. Right? But maybe, yeah, maybe it's... Uh... The heat from the sand might throw it off. Yeah. Well, Bernard is caught up in a beetle. (laughs) Clearly, he's lost in this thought of trying to figure out there's certain cues he's given himself. Is he on the right variant? Is he in the right spot? And Mm. this is one of them. Uh, Because he mentions he's tried, in those versions, digging everywhere. So he must be trying to, like, frantically go through all those different memories to pull up the right one. C has to pull him away before the drone can get him. He then tells her he knows the weapon is here. 
trial and error. Why doesn't anybody question all of the bizarre things he's saying? He's been doing this since C took him into the group. He's like, well, I tried everywhere else first. I dug everywhere. Why doesn't she be like, what the hell are you talking about? You dug the entire desert where we're here guarding all of it that you couldn't get to? What nonsense are you talking about? Well, she said, if you mess up, I'm going to shoot you. I guess so. So she doesn't really care. Well, Bernard knows about her too. He says most of the others don't really believe there's a weapon out here, do they? But C has her own reasons for digging. She's looking for her father. She's told herself he was dead since she was a child, but could never really believe it. Oh, that's maybe a hint. Hmm. If it did happen, they'll find a body here. But after uncovering a bunch of the sand, they don't find Caleb. What they do locate is the weapon Bernard promised. Maeve's body. Another question? Yeah. Why didn't Hale ever come looking for it? If she knows exactly where she died, and she clearly does because she's been running Caleb through that memory, she also knows how valuable Maeve is. When she dies, she says, oh, it's a shame to use someone so unique. The man in black, whatever, I can rebuild him. But her, that's a loss. I'm surprised she would just leave a loose end like that, if for no other reason than to make sure nobody else gets it. That's a good question. I'm not sure. Right? And also the man in black would be right there too, then right next to her because she was hugging him. Or even at any time in the near future, you, you would think it's a quarry for a while yeah. before it gets overrun by desert. For a woman who's making sure there's no oversight in anything she's doing. She thinks of everything. I'm a little shocked by that. Me too. Well, speaking of, let's move on to our final Maeve and Caleb scenes, the biggest action of the episode. We begin in a flashback where we get to see the experience of the lighthouse between the two of them we've heard of. <laughs> They were there to disable the last of the Rehoboam outposts. Two things. One, people already have enough trouble pronouncing Rehoboam. Yeah. And everyone on the show, they all pronounce it Rehoboam except Maeve. Oh. I don't know if it's Tandaway Newton's accent or an interpretation of it, but she says something like Rehoboam. It's confusing enough already. Please just pronounce it the same way. I love you. I love Tandaway. She's amazing, but... Okay, the next thing, we weren't aware of a lot of these details. And these are the things I like to find out. You had this central hub that was the main Rehoboam, but it obviously had outposts, satellite stations. Oh, yeah. Uh, a bunch of them dispersed seemingly everywhere. We don't know how far this went, but they would have to not just take out the main one, but all of the remaining ones. They even say this is the last of them, so she probably has high security here. And she didn't. At 12 people <laughs> at your last outpost, but I guess by that point it had been all-out war and fighting. Maybe that was as many as they could manage. I think that might give some indication, though, to how things like the tower need to work now, especially if that's a sound signal. You would think that you need some other relays except that main tower. Otherwise, as you get to the outskirts of its radius, does it start to wane? I mean, you're talking about humans here. So even though they're controlled, they probably need to be within a certain distance. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened to all those humans that were in the pod. The outliers from last season. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. The people out in the desert, are these regular human outliers they didn't get? Or was that somehow the people in the pods? Were they set free? Did they release eventually? Is that who they're rounding up? Huh. And then coming back to the tones, I say this about distance because is there a way that it stops working on you? If you're outside of that radius or if you pull a stranger things and put running up that hill on your headphones loud mm. enough all the time, that's a joke. But really, is there a way that you could somehow... 
without I mean, Maeve powers override that process. What's crazy is she already had, uh, let's call them speakers, 23 years ago when they got to that quarry. She already had the speakers there. Yeah. That's crazy. She knew it was going to have to be a factor, which is why I would think she's got outposts for this too. But there's still a lot of loose ends that the past history is pointing us to we might need to think about. Coming back to this memory, Caleb wonders what happens after the war is over. If this is the last of their mission, so to speak, what does a regular life look like for the two of them? Inside, they find the device hanging from the center of the lighthouse, and they set up explosives to take it down. They make it out and away from security, but Caleb is badly injured. Maeve helps him to the beach, where it looks like he will die, and she then hacks into his limbic system to show him what freedom looks like. We see images of her in the field with her daughter. Now, I don't know what she did here. There's more to it than what we saw. Did she somehow help him to hold on? mentally by giving him that picture of freedom that he needed to see? Did she override something physical, some kind of chemical or hormone that kept him from dying? Is she able to now get into his system if she wants to? Do they share some sort of connection or is the limbic's not quite that powerful? I don't think we know any of that because she never used it until she reached out that one time and that wound up being her downfall. Yeah, that was just reaching out into the grid. But she says she was reaching out specifically to look for him. Did she get close to him because there's some type of connection she established by hacking into his system now? Is that how she knew she could find him? Because, again, you know, there's not many interactions after that before she dies. So I don't think we've had a a chance to test out that theory. But we do see that she was able to override Hale's early sound system and use it against her. Oh, yeah. So... You know, there's obviously a reason why Bernard is digging her up. There's going to be a purpose here. After getting these visions, distantly, Caleb starts hearing Hale's voice and wakes to the lab room floor, our present from last episode where we saw the flies attacked him. And Hale is telling him she's going to do this to all mankind. While he can't resist, she didn't kill his family. She seems upset by that. She says they're alive out there somewhere, but it's okay, not for long. But it won't matter soon because everyone will be under her control. What did she do to me? What I'm going to do to all of your kind. I made you my bed. Shouldn't be long now. And everything will be so much easier. You won't even want to resist. Soon it won't matter where they run. Everyone will be under my control. This was never about the park. This was always about you. Spreading your disease. Everyone who comes here will become a carrier. I prefer the term host. Yes, Caleb. After they're done here, they'll have his souvenirs to botch memories of their exploits and my parasites. Welcome to the super spreader event of the century. You're the first wave. You should be flattered. Like the others. I was just me ironing out the kinks. I have better plans for you and your kind. Besides, Maeve and Dolores were always so fond of you. I'm inclined to keep you around. See what all the fuss is about. And hearing that droning sound, Caleb is slowly starting to be brought over to it. We see it takes time for the infection to really take root. I like that. And I love the way she said, I prefer to call them hosts, a dig. 
It is, but I like carriers to distinguish humans from AI. Yeah, but in her mind, she's doing the exact same thing. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know what she's doing. Meanwhile, realizing that the man in black is a host now, Maeve starts to fight him. He says, Hale's made some upgrades. You can't control me now. But it turns out she wasn't trying to. She was hacking the sound system. It works. The man in black is temporarily disabled. You can't keep him down. And Caleb overcomes and gets control of Hale. They take her captive. He tells Maeve he's infected. They need to get the parasite out and stop her before she can control everyone. He also says if they can get to the extraction point, his team, his boys, can pick them up just outside the park. So they start to head there, but Hale thinks they'll never make it. And Maeve could have done this without him. Why does she keep coming back for Caleb? She's too sentimental. And that's what we said. There's clearly an emotional connection here Mm. um, that we haven't seen anything like that before. When the sound comes next, heading outside, Caleb's almost overtaken, but manages to control it. However, a mob begins coming after them, stabbing him in the side. So forget the fact that guns don't work, this'll do. Maeve thinks she's lived these loops a thousand times, and no one knows the game better than her. So they steal a bootleg moonshine truck and make their way to the outskirts. This whole time, I just keep thinking, why did they go into the... Park to begin with? I said that from the beginning. They knew it was a trap. They Uh, knew from the moment they walked into that theater. They could have gotten off that train. They really thought they'd be fine. I don't think that they did. Maeve more so than Caleb, but... (laughs) Anyhow, while driving, we get a critical moment here. Maeve remembers Caleb almost dying the last time, and he says he thought she had disappeared. She finally corrects him. She actually sat by his bedside for weeks, fearing the worst, confronting mortality of his kind for the first time, Uh, what about Lee? She formed a real relationship with him. He was a human and he died. Mm. (laughs) Forget about him. It's just the first time I've ever experienced this, Caleb. (laughs) Um, Also, I'm a little surprised that nobody told Caleb later. Especially, we know Yuwadi, now in this flashback, was his nurse before they got together. And if she was sitting there in the hospital for weeks, why didn't anyone ever tell him? That's a good... I feel so bad for her. She says, our kind are locked in a perpetual perpetual struggle. struggle. I wanted you to do more than fight to survive. I wanted you to have something to fight for. I had already known the love of a daughter. And I planned on spending eternity holding it dear. been alone for all these years. I knew that if I stayed put, no harm would come to you. You deserve to have something real to hold on to. That's why I left. And it would have been fine, except one day I got curious. So I reached out through the grid to find you, and... Basically, she says she got curious one day. Yeah, she tried to, to not to. reach out, but she had to check in on him, which, again, emotionally is very sweet. That's not something you do if you don't really care. And this is what led Hale to them. She was able to track them. Now comes the big action. We arrive at the checkpoint, the large quarry, which I didn't catch the first time. There's a sign out front that says Park Expansion Project, showing that Hale is continuing her building efforts into the desert. 
So that means 23 years later, she didn't because it was still just sand. I don't know. Or if there was another park and they all got eventually taken over, did she choose to shut them down once they were no longer useful to her? The parks? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's no point once you own all the humans. Why, why do it, right? Hmm. Well, the man in black approaches yet again. He just won't stay. It's really starting to get to me. It's like the Terminator. The Terminator, yeah. He just keeps coming to shoot Maeve. How many times are we going to do this? Maeve holds him off while Caleb goes inside the building to call his men on the radio. And after sending the coordinates, Hale wonders if he's starting to feel the burden of his consciousness being released. She orders him to fire the gun at Maeve, but at the last minute, he resists, surprising her and shooting the man in black. How did you disobey me? All this effort, it doesn't matter. He still gets to Maeve and stabs her. And near death, Maeve chooses to make a final sacrifice, setting off all the explosives in the yard to kill them both. At least she'll take him out. Which really stinks, because you have to think she must have considered the possibility that either Hale had already made another, or could. Yeah. What is the point of this what sacrifice? What is the point? He's just a host. Like, Caleb needs you more than well, taking she was, him out. She was dying anyways. Temporarily, she can't really die-die. She could patch herself up. It feels like a weird, not mavish move to make. Mm. You know, she knew that Hale had him cornered. Nothing could be more important than oh, seeing wait. him. At that point, she thought, we all thought, that Caleb's friends were coming. Hale was tied up. So she takes out the man in black. In her mind, Caleb's friends land. They take... Oh, you think he's going to be free of danger now because they take him away? Enough time to get out and leave. I feel like she went into hiding for seven years to keep him safe. She must know that he could use her more alive than dying to take down one host version. Buy him time. If she didn't do that, the man in black would have came in, took out Caleb. Maybe. I think the only way that sacrifice makes sense is if it was Hale she was taking down. I could have seen her trying to do that to take Hale out. I don't know. This felt a little personal, like she's always had beef with the man in black. She's needed to win for her own reasons. No. No way. Well, we know that's true. Yeah, but she wasn't being selfish there. Not selfish, just emotionally caught up. I feel like this version of Maeve that she's turned into has way more emotions than any host ever used to. It's a lot of things in this episode. That's why I was a little frustrated with it. Either way, it turns out this was a real memory we were not seeing in real time. After Maeve sets off the explosives, killing the two of them, Caleb watches, extremely upset, telling Hale he won't rest until everything she built is destroyed. He won't let his daughter grow up in a world controlled by her. I mean, it's the thing, it just keeps going. This is where Hale says she regrets the loss of Maeve because she can always rebuild the man in black. Exactly the point, right? That it doesn't really help. And she prompts Caleb to remember where he's at, what happened in this moment. We start to realize he died right here, but that's not the only thing. The question you should be asking isn't where, but when. How long have you been here? Why are you asking me that? It's part of an interview to establish a baseline. Baseline? Fidelity. She tells him the parasite worked on adults initially, according to her plan, but there was always resistance. At a certain age, their brains just became too rigid and difficult to change. Fortunately, she found that was not the case with children. They were so good at taking orders. It was seamless with them, the parasite growing in symbiosis with their minds. 
It took a generation for them to mature and her to gain complete control over the world, but she's done it. And he starts to see the truth, sitting in a room with Hale being questioned. At this point, he gets up, <laughs> runs out of the building. You gotta hand it to Caleb. Just never Always gives up. Trying. Right out. He looks up to see the huge tower in the middle of the city, and suddenly everyone freezes. This was so well shot. He looks around to see Hale with her hand raised and realizes she won. She says, welcome, welcome to my world. And that was the end of the episode. Yeah, a lot <laughs> happened. And it's only the fourth, so we're halfway through. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't decide to take a whole season to get to this point. And now we're going to find out how we're going to start to regain some kind of footing. Bring Maeve back. Find out what's going on with Christina. Say our goodbyes to Bernard. I need some more Bernard Stubbs show before that point. You know, we might get the scene that we got in the end of season two with the human men in black coming to the robot men in black. Because maybe under Maeve is the men in black under the ground. And they're well, going to they die together, right? They're going to bring him back, but as a good guy. And what we didn't see in that in season two is after he says hello, in walks either Bernard or Maeve. And they're like, well, we what's said up, that spot where he woke up when Bernard went out to the desert with his resistance group where they were hiding looked an awful like that a lot like the entrance to the forge that we had yes. seen in Westworld Park mm-hmm. where they were storing the human data. So it could be that place, some lab that they uncover under the ground out there where Bernard can start to try to reboot Maeve, bring back a new version of the Man in Black. I mean, they're going to need some kind of weapons at their disposal. And clearly he's run all these versions in the Sublime. What tools do I need to win this war? Yeah. So that could definitely be. Yeah, we might see what the hell that means, finally. Maybe it was just, again, another fidelity test that they're doing with this host of the Man in Black. Who knows? Hmm. They're using that to find out what happened. Oh, there's a lot of questions. Well, let's give this an official reverie rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give episode 4? You know what? Watching it again, it was even more interesting. It was nonstop action. We got to see Teddy, which I loved. I'm easy. I'm going to go up a little bit more. It's going to keep going up for me, it it seems. I'm going to go up to 8.5 reveries. I guess I'm different from what everyone else thought. Also, I like when I know we're right as Clatchers. Well, I'm definitely going to go down from last episode because I was pretty high. I gave last episode an 8.9. I liked it a little better than two, not as much as one. So I'm going to give it an 8.3 right down the middle. Nice. That's what I gave last. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked a lot. Let's find out what our Clatchers feel. Every week via Twitter at CKC Podcast, we ask you guys, who is your MVB? This week, we gave you Maeve, Caleb, Hale, and Bernard. Now, a little update. It has now been three weeks in a row with Maeve winning. That's episode one, episode two, and episode three. Do you think she's going to make a run for the whole season? I could see it. it if they bring on, her back this yeah, time. Depends on how long it takes to... Bring yourself back online. All right. So, again, because I always got to say this. There's two more days left on this poll. So it's going to change. But as of now, in last place, we have a tie. We have Caleb and Bernard. Now, this is understandable. Caleb lost. We feel bad for him. We love him. And Bernard only had like a 10-minute scene. (laughs) Yeah, but I want to disagree. Okay, Caleb, yes. Despite the fact that I love him, he was my last human to root for. Last time, he didn't fight so hard at that fly overtaking. I was a little frustrated with that. This time, it wasn't really his fault. Nothing much he could do, but, you know. He doesn't push it forward too much. Bernard, on the other hand, 
enacts a plan that he just spent millennia going through every possible instance that he could to uncover the one weapon, the one thing they have, Maeve's body, and the one course of action that might save all humans. I think he did enough to get some points. Oh, for sure. He got 15.2%. That's not enough. (laughs) Because I don't like who's sitting in second spot. A person we're hating and hating more and more is Hale. Yeah, she's got 18.2. I know she's winning. She runs the whole world this episode, but I don't like her. I don't want to give her MVB. She's so vicious, and there's no redeeming qualities to her. It's That's the problem. Just straight evil villain, Hale. Yeah. There's no more Nuance. dynamics and complexity to her. Yeah. Okay, now you have everybody. Now what? You're in control of everybody. What? And what now, is the plan what, for now, keeping now them around controlled? You tortured them. You did that for 23 years. Yeah. Aren't you bored? Why are you keeping Caleb around this much, testing him for fidelity? Because she's bored. <laughs> Maybe. Really, though? What is the master plan here? I don't know. You've had 21 years? Like, 20- is she the one trying to bring Dolores back? Because she's like, all right, listen, I really actually don't know what I'm doing yeah. here. <laughs> I just keep bringing the man in black back. Talk about generation loss. Copies of copies. He's really starting to fritz out on me. And first place, once again. Now, again, it's not final, but this is, uh, I mean, I think she's going to win again for the fourth week in a row. We have Maeve at 51.5%. I said before, I don't really love the way she went out in the end, but it was a spectacular episode. So much sacrifice from her. It's really beautiful, the relationship she developed with Caleb. This is her season, man. She's really shining. She's always been badass. It's just like kick-ass with beauty behind it. Tenacity. Well, let's see what the Clatchers said about it. Kirk says, oh, and is there any villain more deliciously evil than Hale? No, Kirk, I want to hear the specifics of why he's enjoying this. <laughs> She's just a bitch. I want to hear what he's enjoying. He says, Lewis will be happy because I voted for Maeve. Oh, good. There we go. Okay, I thought I was going to Hale. Christina was too dreamy. Caleb too screamy. Hale too schemy. Bernard too redeemy. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I love this. Maeve was compassionate, brave, and powerful. We didn't rhyme. Everything rhymed. And Maeve was compassionate, brave, powerful, powerful and steamy. Yeah. She's very often steamy. Dreamy. Oh nope. no, he already used he dreamy. He used that one. Oh, uh, steamy. We'll go with steamy. <laughs> Josh wrote, How is Maeve winning? It has to be Hale. She won. Yeah, but we hate her, man. And I don't know. We uncovered her body already by the end of this episode. If she's going to be the missing piece within one episode, she was taken down but revived. Now, I know it's been 23 years in their world, (laughs) but I'm just saying for our timeline. I think we just hate her too much. He also wrote earlier, I'm about 20 minutes into the episode right now, right after Maeve and Caleb stole the truck and it hit me. What if they don't make it out of here and they capture Maeve and shut her down and bury her in this future with Caleb's daughter in the desert that used to be Mafia Town and the weapon they're looking for is Maeve? I hope they don't find it this episode so I can make this a prediction on the feedback. Well, you were right. And then he wrote, well, shit, other than the location, I had it mostly right. But they had to go and reveal it. So now I'm kind of curious about Christina. And this is what we were saying. She's obviously from this future that Hale won. But is she a robot or is she a human that's being controlled by the virus? I feel like she almost has to be a robot that's unknowingly helping Hale create storylines for the human lives that are now being controlled by the robots. Exactly. Just how is that happening unknowingly? I think we have to walk this back because the reason people keep saying human is so many other podcasts are talking about that. But let's look at this logically. We know that they found a way to control humans by infecting them with a parasite, right? We know that they can build host bodies. They can even upload 
to a certain extent, human consciousness into host bodies, although that process still has not been perfected. They could recreate it through someone's memory, Mm. like Dolores building Bernard from her memories of Arnold. There is nothing in their tech that shows that they can build a human body. No. Nothing. No, and why would they Hale is not at that state where she could build humans. Yeah, and she would have no reason in the world to want to do that. So I think we could just, you know, put to bed the fact that Christina is is a human or maybe ever was a human. It does not seem like Ford and Bernard constructed her out of the replica of a real human. I mean, maybe, but that would have been years and years ago. But it looks like she's made big strides on constructing a host or robot out of human consciousness way better than Daddy Delos. Yeah, you know, it seems as though we've come a lot further with that testing, but anytime they're trying to change human consciousness, the process is clearly a lot more difficult. Yeah, for sure. Even what she's had to try to do to Caleb to get him to come in line and, you know, follow some sort of fidelity. It's 23 years, she's still not doing it, so... Eminem says, God, I fucking love this episode. The plot twists are such a mindfuck. Oh, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Also, Oren says, I loved, 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 and hated a little. <laughs> the reveal that Caleb is dead. Yeah, <laughs> I don't same. love it at all. Aaron Paul did a fantastic job and carried the episode emotionally. Yes. Everything else was meh. Could see it coming miles away. I agree. And that's why I don't like him being gone as a human because emotionally it is so resonant and I'm searching for that thing to hold on to. But he's still human. To a certain extent. Consciously. Yes. Hopefully. I mean, I'm again, I'm hanging my hat on the fact that Hale is still concerned with how could you override my control? That's what I mean. And she's keeping him around all these mm. years later. There's something to that. I just wish they had spent a little more time building up another human character before he left, like his daughter, Frankie, who we like because she's his daughter, but we right. really haven't mm. gotten to be around her too much. Yeah. But we know she's been training ever since she was a kid, so. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm dying to see Bernard. He's with her. Let's, let's uh, get some more of those scenes. Oh, I think we're going to know. Indel wrote, I have been loving this season. This episode felt so intense, I had to pause it. <laughs> <laughs> Ron said, as much as it sucks for our heroes, Hale got shit done here. Mm, yep. Yes. Well, Wes says, the last of Rehoboam is going to be my new band name. (laughs) Hashtag don't forget the shovel. Wes, keep writing these in because I love them. And Lewis said, some predictable stuff here, but still very well done. The fact that they brought all timelines together and it's only episode three is very exciting. Can't wait for Maeve to keep holding this whole thing together. Just so Dolores Christina could show up last minute. Team Maeve. Yes. Uh, He meant episode four. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, Yeah, there's still one timeline we got to figure out. Yeah, hashtag Team May for life. Hell yeah. But really, Team Bernard. I think I need to start a whole new hashtag. (laughs) Bernard and his sidekick stuffs. (laughs) All right. So, Christina, who is your MVB? All right. Well, my MVB is going to have to be Maeve. Like I said, prior to that final scene, can you imagine doing anything for seven years so that somebody else can achieve their happiness? She's been this close to getting the ending she wants forever. Mm. And every single time something happens, it's like Bernard. They're willing to sacrifice themselves for the betterment of a society, to see a better world. And there's very few characters that we've seen who would do that. Yeah, I'm going to go Maeve as well. As much as Hale did win this episode, I just hate her so much. 
And I don't like her as a character. Interesting. So she's not going to win for me. I mean, moving the storyline forward is part of our MVB, but it's also someone you're cheering for, someone you enjoy, somebody who did something character-wise significant, emotionally resonant. All of the other boxes don't really get checked for me on her. Yeah. So if a lot of those boxes got checked, but you weren't cheering for them, they could still win. Sure. But this was like, there's just... There's not a lot happening. And you know what? Yeah. Fix your arm. You're not making a statement. It's just everything you know? about her annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like having Wyatt on screen the whole time. And nobody liked Wyatt just because it looks like Tessa Thompson, which maybe is a huge distraction. I admit that. Okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that almost wraps up this episode. We just want to thank you, Clatchers, once again for voting and for writing in. And we ask you just to, if you're listening to us via iTunes, if you could leave a rating and review that would help us tremendously. If you're not following us yet over on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, go ahead and do that. We don't over-tweet or over-share, so we won't be annoying. Yeah, we used to say it a lot about the writing a review thing when we were just getting started. We haven't really mentioned it for a while. That's our bad because we don't have that many new reviews this season. It's only eight episodes long. We would love to have more people join us and more people follow us into House of the Dragon, which is going to start up right after this is over. So everything that you write there, even just the ratings, helps for other people to find us in this Sea of Westworld podcast, mm. what I'm sure is going to be many more for the Game of Thrones prequel. Yeah. We would really appreciate a couple words. Let's, uh, let's keep this going. Yeah, it's tough out there. And while you're doing that, tell one friend about us. If everyone tells one friend, we double. And that would just help us tremendously. You could tell one friend that the worst podcast ever doesn't really constitute a review. <laughs> yeah. You know, constructive uh, feedback would be good. We don't get everything right. We understand that. Speaking of robots, we just released our bonus podcast over on our Patreon channel. Yes, we did. It was really fun. It was informative. We talked about the world's first robots. And we're talking about... BC times? 1000 BC. Crazy. You got to uh, hear about this. Ducks that can eat, fly, and poop? BC. Mechanical ducks? What? And we talk about current robots, and we talk about robots of the future. The reality, the real ones. The reality is Jay gives a really weird quiz at the end. Yeah, it's <laughs> robots or Robert De Niro. <laughs> it turned out to be fun. If you have a burning desire to know that, because I really did too. And our movie review this month won't be a movie. It's going to be part two of Stranger Things. Yes, the first time we've ever talked about Stranger Things on the podcast. We are really excited. So if you want that, plus so, so much more, you get the whole back catalog. You get literally, if you pressed play and didn't stop it, it would be two weeks worth of listening. That's worth it. And you know, for the price of one coffee, you're helping Christina and myself out tremendously. So go check us out there. Give us a month. See what you feel. Plus, there's a lot of different topics. If you sign up for the bonus level, if you're thinking, oh, I'm not that into hearing about robots, we've done everything from Greek mythology to mental health history, the history of profanity, talk about your memory. There's even some other random rankings ones. If you listen to that free episode and you were into the rankings. And so, so much more. So go ahead and go to coffeeclatchcrew.com, click on Patreon, join us over there. Stop trying to avoid this part of the episode. You know what it's time for. Summary Showdown!
where every week Christina gives the first and last thing said on that episode, and then I try to bring my favorite or our favorite line in the episode. And in the end, we're going to have like this little Mad Libs thing. It's going to be, hopefully, a synopsis of the season. Tells you something about what happened in Westworld Season 4, although I think Jason's is going to wind up being far better than mine. This episode I got, do you ever think about what happens next? Welcome to my world. Oh, I like those. Those work. Better than my previous ones. All right, so this time I have four. The first one is, I guess I'll never know life after this. Freedom. That's Caleb. Okay. Then my next one is, every day you wake up, you do your job, and you go home. Rinse and repeat, like a train circling the smallest track. Mm-hmm. Teddy. Then I have another one from Teddy. Well, that's the thing about this world. Some of the most unbelievable things turn out to be the truth. And the things that feel the most real are nothing but stories we tell ourselves. That was my favorite from the episode. And then finally, the question isn't where, but when. How long have you been here? That's a good one. Okay, the only one you missed that I highlighted was, Our kind are locked in a perpetual struggle. I wanted you to do more than fight to survive. I wanted you to have something to fight for. Okay, I like that one. So here's my struggle. The Teddy quote about... The unbelievable things. I think that's the most Westworld. Yeah, but also the question isn't where, but when. That's Westworld too. Yes, it is. It's just not as poetic. mm. All right, let's go with Teddy. That's the thing about this world. Some of the most unbelievable things turn out to be the truth, and the things that feel the most real are nothing but stories we tell ourselves. Mm, That is good. He had some some good moments. He had some zingers. Oh, I forgot two things. I'm sorry. Over on Facebook last week, off of episode 3, Magdalian wrote to us and said, After a hiatus due to life and things, I'm so excited to listen to you both again. I found you with magicians and GOT and missed your breakdowns, conversations, and fun. Great app. Oh, glad to have you back. Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, if you're on iTunes, please leave that review over there for us. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. And then Muhammad wrote, Best podcast ever. Been listening to you since 2015, and I want to thank you for all the time and energy you put into making these episodes. Love you guys. We love you too, man. Oh, that is appreciated. It is a lot of time and effort worth it, but a lot more that goes behind the scenes. I mean, every week we're doing this. I feel like we're on a perpetual loop in the tiniest train station. (laughs) The smallest track. Well, speaking of behind the scenes, why don't we go to our closer look? Some of this came from the Westworld behind the episode, but I had to look a little more. I was so interested. They talk about the lighthouse, the real one that they filmed at this episode. Oh, yes. For the Maven Caleb scenes, El Faro Viejo. What caught my interest is that it's in Cabo, which is a place that I've been, although I actually I didn't see the lighthouse structure. I wish I would have known it was there because the time that I had visited, I probably could have gone and seen it. I think around 2015, they started sort of shutting it down. The public couldn't access it anymore. Mm. This is a 19th century lighthouse that sits high on the dunes along the Pacific coast of Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. Inside of the Quivira Golf Course, so renovations are being made around the lighthouse now, making it only accessible with a previous reservation for a guided visit during very strict hours. Or if you're HBO. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's situated where the Sea of Cortez meets the Pacific Ocean, and it's fortress-like. I mean, if you see it, it really does look like a fortress. Dating to 1905, it is the oldest structure in Cabo, now a National Historic Monument, And it's perched at the edge of a cliff more than 200 feet above the surf. Wow. 
It's pretty amazing. They actually have a working one now, a little bit further down the coast, but they still use the main light blinker for ships because it sits higher and it's operational yeah. inside of the old lighthouse. That's pretty amazing. And what's weird, here's a non sequitur that means nothing in life. You and I are watching Shark Week and we watched the Stranger Things one and they f- came upon a lighthouse that was shut down. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Not the same one. No. But this one is in the middle of the ocean on what used to be an old oil rig, Mm. converted to be a lighthouse, owned by the Coast Guard for many, many years. And then that kind of got abandoned and an individual person took it over, tried to raise the money to do restorations on it. So that is still kind of going. They do tourism things to try to get money there and volunteer work. But I love getting the history on these. There's something about lighthouses that I find fascinating. Enlightening. Illuminating. Now, one of the ones, the one they did for Shark Week, there was a movie, and I can't remember if it was just called The Lighthouse, a famous movie that they made with that as the setting. Oh, really? Yeah. I tried to watch it because it looks pretty amazing, very artsy, but... It's difficult. (laughs) Back to this lighthouse. They talk inside the episode about filming there because it is so old and a historic monument, you would think. You'd have trouble even getting in there, much less saying, we want to set off any kind of explosions. Mm. (laughs) Turns out they did. They used very soft exterior ones so that they wouldn't hurt the building. But how they ever got clearance for that. Yeah. The shrapnel is just foam. Yes. That looks like rocks. Yes. No harm done to anything. But you kind of think even being on the property does some wear and tear. Absolutely. They also talked about the mix of practical effects and CGI in this show, which I find very interesting. They said some of the most difficult and largest effects are of glass exploding, particularly the ones in this episode where we see Maeve take control of the sound tower. Yeah. They said they went through and scanned all the rooms to track in the glass with CG and that it's always tricky to incorporate the practical with the special effects when it comes to glass. It's pretty awesome to watch. Well, that's going to do it except for our spoiler section. Before we go there, any final thoughts on episode four, Generation Loss? No, I'm loving the fact that we're doing Westworld. I'm loving these weekly podcasts and I'm hoping you guys are too. So our spoiler section only contains the little bit of information we have for the next on. If you are afraid of that, we will see you next time. For those of you who are still here, we know episode five is titled Zhuangzi. I have no idea how this is going to relate to the episode, but I can tell you from history, Zhuangzi was a pivotal figure in classic philosophical Taoism. It's a compilation of his and others' writings at the pinnacle of the philosophically subtle classical period in China, we're talking 5th to 3rd century BC, that was marked by humanist and naturalist reflections on normativity shaped by the metaphor of a Tao, a social or a natural path, which is interesting if you think about the themes of Westworld. What is normative? What is <laughs> the regular path, the, the social or so-called natural path? Is it being a human? Is it being a host? Is it being a combination Who's right? Can we live in harmony with each other? And that will be a question in our future, for I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to be talking about it, but how will that play out? Are we going to have our factions finally coming up against each other with who's right and who's wrong? I mean, could we get Maeve back this soon? Could we get Dolores out of wherever she's at this soon? 
Um, I don't know why else we would be titling it that. I mean, the titles have not had as much relevance as I would have hoped this season, so I'm not putting as much on them. Just to give you a heads up, the titles after that for six are Fidelity. Hmm. So I assume we're going to get more Caleb and maybe the Man in Black episode you were talking about. That might be that one. There. For sure. Then we'll have seven is called Metanoia, which is Greek for changing one's mind, the process of experiencing a psychotic breakdown, and subsequent psychological rebuilding or healing. That's the Man in Black. So um, that's going to be a lot of things, <laughs> I uh, think. Yeah, true. And then finally, que sera, sera, which I don't even want to know. <laughs> Whatever will be, will be. It's going to be scary. Last couple of episodes. Whoa. Wow. Well, that wraps it up. Another great episode. Another great CKC podcast. If you're Patreon members, look out for our coffee break coming in a couple days. And then Westworld episode five. Till next time. This round's on me. This round is on me. (laughs) 